Section 27 of Junior Classics, Volume 4, Heroes and Heroines of Chivalry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Junior Classics, Volume 4, Heroes and Heroines of Chivalry by William Patton. Tales from Early English Chronicles, Part 5, Horn's Return. Retold by F. J. H. Darton. There was now no heir to Thurston's kingdom, since Harold and Beerold were slain, and in a little time, when the king's grief abated, he bethought him of what should befall his people when his time came to die. Cuthbert, he said to Horn one day, when he had pondered long over these things, there is no heir to my kingdom. There is but my daughter Reynold to come after me. Will you wed her and be king, and rule this land after my death? Horn was sorely tempted but he looked on his ring and remembered Remenhild. "'Sir King,' he answered, "'you do me great honour, and I give you thanks. "'But I am under a vow, and cannot wed the Lady Reynold.' He would say no more, but was firm in his purpose, and King Thurston had to be content with his loyal service only. For seven years Horn abode at Thurston's court, serving in arms under him and winning great fame by his knightly deeds. No word did he send to Remenhild, nor received tidings of any kind from Westerness. About the end of the seventh year, Horn chanced to be riding in the forest, when he met a page, journeying as if towards Thurston's palace. "'What do you here?' he said. "'Whither do you go?' "'Sir,' answered the page, "'I have a message from one Sir Horn, from Sir Athelf in Westerness, where Elmer is king. The Lady Remenhild is to be wedded on Sunday to King Modi of Rains.' and I am sent to bring tidings thereof to Sir Horn. But I can find him nowhere, nor hear even so much as his name, though I have wandered far and wide. At this heavy news Horn hid his name no longer. He told the page who he was, and bade him go back with all speed, and say to Remenhild that she need no longer mourn. Her lover would save her ere Sunday came. The page returned blithely with this message. But he never delivered it, for as he went back he was by chance drowned, and Remenhild, hearing no word of Horn, despaired. Athelf, too, watching long for Horn each day on the tower of Aylmer's palace, gave up hope. But Horn was not idle or forgetful. When he had dispatched the page, as he thought, safely back to Athelf and Remenhild, he went straight to King Thurston, and without more pretense told him his true name and all the story of the adventures. Sire, he said at the end, I have served you well. Grant me reward for my service, and help me to win Remenhild. See, you offered me the hand of your daughter Reynold, that I might not accept, for I was pledged already. But perchance my comrade Athelf might be deemed an honorable suitor. If you will but help me, Athelf shall be Reynold's husband. That I vow. Sire, give me your aid. Be it so, said Thurston, loath to lose horn, but glad to hear of a knight waiting to wed the lady Reynold. Straightway a levy of knights was made, and Horn set forth in a ship with a brave body of fighting men. The wind blew favorably, and ere long they came to Westerness. Even as they touched the shore, the bells ceased ringing for the marriage of Remenhild to King Modi. Horn saw how late they had arrived, and that he must needs act warily, if he would save Remenhild in the midst of the rejoicings over her wedding. He left his men on board ship and landed alone setting out to walk to the palace, where the wedding feast was about to be held. As he walked thus he met a palmer clad in pilgrim's weeds. "'Whither go you, Sir Palmer?' he asked. 
"'I have just come from a wedding,' he answered, "'from the wedding of Remenhild, the king's daughter, "'and sad and sorrowful she seemed to be, "'in truth, on this wedding day. "'Now heaven help me, Palmer, but I will change clothes with you. "'Take you my robe and give me your long cloak. "'Today I will drink at that wedding feast, "'and some shall rue the hour that I sit at the board with them.' "'Without more ado he changed clothes with the Palmer, "'taking also his staff and scrip.' and staining his face till it was like that of a toil-worn traveller. Then he set out for the palace once more. He came soon to the gates, where a porter strove to bar his entrance. But Horn broke in the wicket gate, and threw the man over the drawbridge, so that his ribs were broken. None other stood in Horn's way, and he went into the great hall, and took his place in the lowly seat among the beggars and poor men. As he looked about him he saw at a little distance Rimenhild, weeping and lamenting sorely. Aethelf he did not see, for he was still keeping watch in the tower for Horn's return. Before long Rimenhild rose from her seat, and began to minister to the guests, according to custom, pouring them out wine and ale and horn beakers. When she came low down among the guests, Horn spoke to her. Fair queen, he said, serve us also, we beggars are athirst. She laid down the vessel she bore, and took a great gallon cup, and filled it with brown ale, and offered it to him, thinking him a glutton. "'Take this cup,' she said, "'and drink your fill. Never sigh so forward a beggar.' "'I will not drink your ale, lady,' answered Horn, for he was minded to let her know who he was, and yet to hide himself from all others at the feast. "'Give me wine, I am no beggar. I am a fisherman, come hither to search my nets, and see what I have caught. Pledge me now yourself, and drink to Horn of Horn.' Thus by his strange words he thought to recall to her that dream she had formerly dreamed, of a great fish that escaped from her net. Rimenhild looked on him, and hope and fear sprang up in her heart together. She knew not what his saying about the nets and horn of horn might mean. With a steadfast look she took her drinking horn, and filled it with wine and gave it to horn. "'Drink your fill, friend,' she said, "'and tell me if you have seen aught of this horn of whom you seem to speak.' Horn drained the beaker, and as he put it down, dropped into it the ring that Rimenhild had given him so long ago. When Rimenhild saw the ring, she knew it at once. She made an excuse, and left the feast, and went to her bower. In a little time she sent for the palmer secretly, and asked him where he got the ring. "'Queen,' said Horn, "'in my travels I met one named Horn. He gave me this ring to bring to you. It was on shipboard I met him, and he lay dying.' He said this to prove if her love were still constant to him. But Rimenhild believed him, and when she heard him say that Horn was dead, became as one mad with grief. Then Horn, seeing how strong was her love, threw off his palmer's cloak, and showed her the false stain on his face, and told her that he was in very truth Horn, her lover. When their first joy at meeting again was over, Horn told the princess of the men he had brought with him in his ship. Secretly they sent for Aethulf, and when he too had learnt all Horn's tidings, a message was sent to the men in the ship, who came to the palace speedily, and were admitted by a private door. Then all the company of them broke suddenly into the banquet hall, and fell upon those there, and slew many, but Modi and Feichenheld escaped, and fled from Westerness. End of section 27